You're listening to Monster of the Week with Timothy from ProDM. And for our fourth episode, I invite you to be our guest. Be our guest because we're talking animated objects. Sorry, the rest of it's probably not going to scan. You can find the animated objects on page 19 of the 5th edition Monster Manual. It's kind of a catch-all category, but the idea here is that it's meant to encompass any number of ordinary objects that have been animated by magic, probably arcane magic. There are three examples given here in the Monster Manual. There's the animated armor, the flying sword, and the rug of smothering. All three of them are constructs, all three of them have anti-magic susceptibility, and all three of them have false appearance. The animated armor is a CR1, and it has two slam attacks. The flying sword is a CR1 fourth, and has one longsword attack. And the rug of smothering is a CR2 that has a smother attack, but also a damage transfer ability. That's really fun, and we'll get into more later. Those three are the ones presented here, but there's a strong implication that any object could be animated with enough magic, but there's not a lot of rules on how exactly to do that, which another thing that we'll cover. So just like the Angels episode, we have three monsters to cover in the same length of time, so we'll try to move through this pretty quick. First of all, we're going to talk about the history of animated objects. Now, as monsters, animated objects do not have a long history in D&D. They've only appeared in two editions, 3.5 and then 5th edition. So of the monsters we've covered so far, they have kind of the shortest pedigree. What's interesting, though, is that the spell Animate Objects is as old as D&D, appearing in every edition but I think 4th. Um, it was a cleric spell for most of its run, but then eventually was made into a bard spell, and now in 5th edition both sorcerers and wizards can also cast it. But the concept of the animated object is very classic, right? Like, it, it's one of the most fairy tale monsters in the Monsters Manual. Uh, Sword in the Stone and Beauty and the Beast both leap to mind. As a side note, the 3.5 art depicted like, like a panicked, melting candelabra, which feels like a very deliberate reference to Beauty and the Beast. In 3.5, though, they were designed completely differently. Like, they were very modular. They were based on size. So they had, like, a fine animated object, and then diminutive animated object, and then tiny animated object, and then medium animated object, and then large animated object, and then huge animated object, and then gargantuan animated object, and then colossal animated object. That was mostly a test to see if I could remember all the size categories in 3.5. But like I said, they were very modular. So in addition to the sizes, there was a list of a handful of abilities that you could give to your animated object depending on what kind of object it was. You know, there was a trample and a constrict and like a blinding ability. The idea being that a DM would take those two things and kind of combine them to make their own animated object. A lot more work heavy and a lot less flavor, but very customizable. In terms of appearances in other worlds, there's basically nothing established because there's just such a new monster, but also because they're so generic, right? There's not a lot of story behind animated objects as, you know, like a creature, but individual animated objects might have a lot of story, but them as a whole, there's such a grab bag, there's not a lot of actual lore there. Next, let's cover the things we like about animated objects.
animated objects are a little basic, but I think they're pretty fun. There's just something fun and iconic about the idea of taking an item that all the players would be familiar with in the mundane world and having it suddenly pose a deadly threat. Like all constructs, they're fun because they don't have eyes and they can't speak languages and they're very like one dimensional. They just do the one thing that they're programmed to do. And there's a certain clarity that comes with that. You don't have to worry about a rogue's motivations. Unlike other constructs, though, because animated objects can come in all different shapes and sizes, it allows you to do really weird and inhuman things with the way they move and attack. I remember running an adventure in Junior Adventures League, our streamed campaign, where all the items in this particular mansion had animated and begun to attack the people that lived there. So as the characters went through the mansion, you know, trying to clear these rooms, uh, they were attacked by curtains and by like a claw foot bathtub and like an evil Victriola at one point. So another one of the fun flavor things about them is that once you introduce one or two animated objects, it instills this paranoia in the party, which you can kind of subvert, like, no, that's just a bath mat, man, it's not going to get you. But this rug will attack you, right? And that can be really fun to play with. On a mechanical note, I actually like anti-magic susceptibility. This is one of my soapboxes, but I think more monsters in D&D need to have obvious vulnerabilities that players can learn and exploit. It's a great aha moment when they discover it, and it particularly rewards players, in this case, who have Dispel Magic prepared. I think Dispel Magic is one of those spells that players want to use like a light switch to turn off any creature that has magic and it almost never works that way except in this one particular case so it's a cool moment when the player who has dispel magic gets to feel like they prepared it for a good reason and lastly i just want to talk about how cool the rug of smothering is this is a surprisingly deadly monster let me break this down for a second so the rug attacks a target usually at surprise because the party isn't expecting it and then it smothers them while they're smothered they are blinded they're restrained and they're suffocating plus they take 2d6 plus 3 bludgeoning damage plus any attempt to attack the carpet means that half the damage is dealt back to the pc there's basically only one way to solve that and that's to grapple the rug and pull it off but that's an action that can fail and doesn't damage the rug so it can maybe attack someone else that's brutal especially for a cr2 if this grabs a first level character and squeezes them there's a chance they go down and if someone attacks them while the rug is grappling them there's a chance that that damage will bring them out like it's a rug it's a carpet and it can absolutely decimate a low level party that's really fun so next we'll talk about the few things that don't work as well with the animated objects So my biggest beef here is just generally how unimaginative these handful of animated objects are. Now, I get that that's mainly a space issue. These are certainly not the most important monsters in the monster manual. They already have two pages. But I would love to see even a little bit of the lore space given to descriptions of other options. A template, you know, like in 3rd edition is probably too much to ask, but something that would allow the DMs to create their own animated objects, or even just like inspired them to think about those options, would really be awesome and would make them feel like a much bigger category, even if you don't have the space to give it to them. This is piggybacking off that a little bit, but mechanically, the animated armor and the flying sword are just about as boring as you can get. Like, there is nothing happening in these stat blocks at all. I understand that they're very low CR and that limits the things they can do, but still, it feels like it wouldn't be that hard to give each one of them some kind of a signature move that would distinguish them from any other CR one quarter or CR one monster. Like, the armor is basically just, it has high AC and then has two slam attacks. It doesn't even have a weapon, right? It just punches you with its fists. 
Give it a halberd or something. The flying sword is even worse. Like, it just attacks you once with a longsword. That's all. It can fly, I guess, but it doesn't seem to have any other... It doesn't have a parry ability. It has nothing. It's just one discarnate longsword attack. Boring. And lastly, there's basically no lore given for these things. Once again, I get it. It's a catch-all. You know, how do you explain this phenomena? There, there is one brief reference to the idea of the Feywild as animating objects and sometimes giving them personality traits, which I love. I mean, they could totally delve into, but they don't. Like, there's no reason here, looking at this lore, that I would ever want to use them unless I have already had my own idea for a cool way to use them. They don't make any effort to make them seem interesting or exciting or appealing. And then if the lore is not going to inspire me, then the mechanics have to. And as we said with the animated armor and the flying sword, it just doesn't. There is nothing here that makes me excited to run them. That all has to come from my head. Give me some juice you know? So what are three ways we could improve the animated objects? I would definitely save some of that lore space and talk about how objects become animated or other examples of animated objects that maybe aren't presented here but could exist, right, as a way to kind of inspire. I would love to see references to like a really big animated object. What about like an animated ship, you know, that's got ropes and it's got, you know, can pitch its deck back and forth, like a bunch of things like that. Even if you don't have space for the stat blocks, suggest them to me, mention them, that way I can go and homebrew something if I want to. Secondly, we could improve the mechanical abilities of the animated armor and the flying sword specifically. For animated armor, I like the idea, maybe give it a weapon, but I like the idea that it can like grab you like an Iron Maiden and then steer you around. That could be kind of cool, right? Like while you're restrained, you are physically inside the armor. The flying sword's a little trickier, but again, I think if all it is is a sword, the notion that it would be very good at swordplay, it could maybe disarm characters, or parry blows, or something, like give me anything to work with. I think the Rug of Smothering's great and shouldn't be touched, but those first two could really use a little bit of work. And then lastly, yeah, give me a little lore. Like, there's no reference to animated objects, but you could talk about, like, how does an object become animated, right? Like, sometimes the spell goes haywire, and they attack the people who cast it, and then they're just permanently animated and running around and following their last orders, right? There's, like I said before, there are so many options for lore for animated objects, and they just explore none of them. And that's it. That's our fourth episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our next episode is just about one monster, a one-page monster that comes right after animated objects, and that's the Ankhag, the giant acid-spitting, burrowing ant. So I'm excited to dig into that next week. Until then, thanks for listening. Try the gray stuff. It's delicious. And happy adventuring. Monster of the Week is a ProDM production. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at XPWebSeries. And if you like the show, please consider joining our Patreon campaign. For $1 a month, you get access not only to early episodes of this show, but also to brand new homebrew monsters every weekday. You can find us at patreon.com slash XPWebSeries. That's the letters XPWebSeries. The music used in this episode was Rainbow Ride and Waves by Azure Flux, licensed under an attribution, non-commercial, share-alike, Creative Commons license. Check out their work at azureflux.bandcamp.com. Thanks for listening.